0: We're building our whole life on Jesus. Come on, you may be thankful today. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. How are we doing, guys? <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, hey, welcome. Like Preston said, uh, if you have not... Thought about the Red Conference. Um, this whole series is a lead in to that. We are hoping that it engages you, that it encourages you, and um, that it prepares you for what God is hoping to do in us and through us, and then to extend uh, to our circles, to our city, to our families. And so um, we just have so much expectancy, and I have so much expectancy for you. Our verse is 2 Timothy 1 6. And basically, we are expecting God to fan into a flame the gift that He has put in every single individual in here. That's what we're expecting for him to light you And so um, I expect nothing less. I'm praying for nothing less. And so I hope you guys will join us. Um, We are in a series called Colossians. If you weren't here last week, um, we are journeying through Colossians 1, 2, 3, and 4. And then we have a 30-day devotional to go along with it so that we can. um, God has so much for us. All he's asking is that we simply engage with him. Like, that's it. And last week, um, Doug talked about in week one about our hope and where our hope is anchored. And that our hope can't be anchored in, um, in the government. That it can't be anchored in our youth. It can't be anchored in our talents, in our looks, in our abilities, or lack thereof. It has to, because all of those anchors have an expiration date that has to be anchored in Jesus Himself. And I thought what I would talk about tonight with all of you guys in here, and thank you so much. Um, I'm praying for uh, you guys on your travels home and for you guys watching online in your jammies, suckers. Um, <laughs> Uh, The question that I have for you tonight and what we're going to talk about tonight is what is the chief end of the Christian life? What is the goal, the end game of our Christian life? life. And I'll let you answer that to yourself. Um, but what we are praying for tonight is nothing less than revelation within our spirits and within our minds. Um, that you can get lots of information. Like Nick Nielsen said one time when he is here, was here, we are overtaught and under-applied. And I would say that uh, we are a generation that has intellectual understanding and yet does not meet that intellectual understanding with life change. That we are lacking when it comes to the fulfillment of the knowledge that we have, and we don't just need more information, we need revelation from God himself in order to walk out everything that he has for us, and that's what I'm expecting for us tonight as we pursue the question, what is the end goal of the Christian life? And our text tonight is from Colossians 1, and so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, it says this, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body. Paul Paul says, I am still suffering. I am still adding to my afflictions. And why? He says it's for the church. It's for the body. That's why he's doing this. And uh, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission of God given to me to present you the word of God in its fullness. This mystery which has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known to the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone as fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all of the energy Christ so powerfully works within me. Paul uses this phrase, I strenuously contend. And that word strenuous, what he's saying, uh, it was a word of athletic exhaustion in the Greek, okay? And he loved using athletic terms. He loved talking about running our race. He, w- he would look at like Roman Olympiads and that's where he got his metaphors. And he He's like, this is where um, we run our race and we contend to this end. We strive, we sprint. He's saying, I run my race. This is the whole reason I run my race. This is the end goal. This is the goal of my Christian life. And then he summarizes it in Colossians 1 by saying that I am in Christ and because I am in him, I am the hope of glory. I am in Christ and I manifest him to the world. This is the end goal of my life. And this is our end goal in Christ tonight and every night moving forward. And so I titled uh, this message, to this end, I contend. To this end, I contend. Let's bow our heads, invite the Lord to be a part. God, we thank you so much for tonight. Holy Spirit, I invite you here. I've been so expectant all day of you, I've been expectant um, of what you want to do in me and through me in this room, in the people in here. There is a veil that is over our eyes in the church of America to what you are and who you are to us and through us. I pray that tonight you remove it. God, give us revelation of your goodness and your power at work within us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right. Uh, How many of you love the zoo? Yeah, I love the zoo. I love the zoo. It's a little different um, as a parent, uh, but the zoo's crazy. I mean, I love the zoo. I love animals, but the zoo is is absolutely bonkers. It's absolutely wild, and I'm not just talking about the animals. Like, you go, and if you go in the summer, there is hundreds of people, like maybe thousands of people. I'm not sure there. And um, for each parent that's there, there's like two kids or three kids, right? And at any given point in time, there's like a dozen children either crying or like screaming bloody murder. And and it's just like this mad conglomeration of children just everywhere. Just, you know, in strollers. And, like, it's just, it's just nuts. And it's so crazy that last summer we had um, an unfortunate event happen at Cincinnati Zoo. And um, this gorilla named Harambe passed away. Rest in peace, Harambe. Rest in peace. We will commemorate you by eating Cheetos that look like you. And so... So so Harambe, a, a young toddler, ended up uh, crawling into his cage. And in order to, uh, to protect this toddler, the gorilla was shot by the zookeeper. And it was an unfortunate event. But after that, there was a firestorm. And everybody was, like, taken to social media. And they were like, oh, my gosh, how can this? What kind of mother lets their life, the child? Like, who loses their child at a zoo? And I wanted to be like, yeah, who loses their child at a zoo? But then I was like, I lose my child. At the zoo, um, <laughs> because last summer we were there and we're looking at the hyenas and we're having a grand old day, right? And we're I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and I'm checking out these hyenas and thinking of the Lion King, and all of a sudden I look down and like she's gone. I mean, I had not looked like I was. It was 20 seconds here and she gone, and I look over. And I look at my friend, Shana, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And she knew immediately. And so the two of us are like, search and rescue, rendezvous at the hot dog stand, you know, and we're like, Brooklyn, you know, like, where are you? Like, And she was probably missing for like 90 seconds, but it was like the longest 90 seconds of my life, you know. I kid you not, I finally round the corner and, and there's like this little area with like a little cabana full of like food and stuff. And she's over there and she's eating French fries off of a stranger's plate. I kid you not. So like one, I was like, God, thank you that I found her. But two, I was like, that's my girl. See, <laughs> you eating your french fries for free. And so, but zoos are crazy, man. I mean, they are crazy. The only thing that's not wild is the animals itself. I mean, you look at these animals, right? And it's like a tiger, this ferocious feline and he's like laying on a rock. You know, or you go see the polar bears, the only animal known to hunt humans, and it's, like, lounging in the water. You know, or you see the king of the jungle, the lion, you know, the king of the jungle, and he's, like, yawning and sunbathing. And something in me is, like, Gosh, I love these, but, like, I just don't know that this is what they were made to do. Like, I just don't know that this is them in their truest form, in their, in their, in their most pure identity. I don't know that this is them. And I think in 2017, the same can be said for Christians at the, in the world at large. That we are not totally living in our truest form and in our truest identity. That we're not living in it. Because... God says in Scripture, and Paul writes to us in Colossians, that our truest form is in Christ. The book of Colossians, first and foremost, is a manifesto to describe to us what it means for us to be in Christ. That's what it's about. Paul, his favorite term in the epistles to refer to believers is in Christ. He used it 89 times. This is how he describes us. And he's not just using it to, like, get breath out of his lungs. He's using it because he's trying so desperately to help us understand understand who we are in Galatians 2:20, um, Paul writes about himself and he says it's no longer I that live but Christ that lives within me and it is not a metaphor church it's not a metaphor what he's saying is that the moment that um, you raised your hand or you stood at a church camp or you received Christ in your bedroom in that moment The Bible says this is not a metaphor, that spiritually you died. You were buried with Christ in his burial by baptism and by his resurrection. It is no longer you that lives anymore. This is a spiritual reality for you and for me. It is now Christ that lives within you. And so every single attribute that belongs to Christ belongs to you. Amen? The very life of Christ belongs to you. To you and to me. Colossians 1 says this. To them, meaning us. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, meaning us. Unless you're Jewish in here. To (laughs) the glorious riches. Because the Jewish were, you know, the chosen people before us. Okay, now we're all chosen. We're good. Okay, so. The Gentiles, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ lives in you and now you are the hope of glory because of that. If people are going to see hope, it is going to be because Christ is manifest in you. If they are going to see glory, it is because Jesus is manifest in you. If you are a Christian in here, you are an image bearer of God and God has redeemed you back to that original glory so that other people can see it. You are powerful in Christ, you are able, you are secure and you are strengthened All of these things are at your disposal. This is your truest identity. This is what it means to be in Jesus. And so if you were to see a Christian or a pack of Christians or a church full of Christians living this way in 2017, you would just see manifestation after manifestation after manifestation of love within the world, of peace within the world, of powerful thought and mind within the world, of tranquility, of goodness, The world would quite literally flip on its head if Christians were to reckon this as true. As it is, though, as it is in uh, in, in, in 2017, we are more like lions, the kings of the jungle, asleep at the zoo than we are like the truest identity of what we are. We are not living out, I don't believe, our truest creation in him. The reason that we know this is because we as Christians are still constantly living in this cycle of defeat from our circumstances. Victory, victory in Christ, I mean, that's a pipe dream to us. That's not what we walked in here tonight feeling or experiencing Believers are plagued by guilt, by shame, by condemnation. God says that we are in a new creation, but so many of us, myself included, we continue to return to our old wineskins. Believers are toiling and working out of their own self-strength, never receiving the empowerment of God. And in Paul's letter, we catch a glimpse of God's intent for us, the way that we were meant to to be and he says you were supposed to be and you already are in Christ and because of that everything is completely changed for you you are powerful you are set apart you are sanctified Jesus powerfully works within you and so what I'm going to try to do tonight for the next couple of minutes is simply um explain to us And I don't even think I'm going to to scratch the surface of what the Bible talks about. To explain to us who we are in Christ. And the first thing is this. In Christ, the fullness of God lives in us. In Christ, the fullness of God, amen, lives in you and lives in me. Colossians 2 says this, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So Paul is building a case, okay? And he is saying that in Christ, or that, I'm sorry, that Christ is... uh, contains and that in his body he was the fullness and the, he had all of the deity in bodily form. That's the case that he's building. And at this time in Colossae, um, there was loads of heresies and, and Paul was combating each of them. One of them was that Jesus wasn't fully God. And he combats it like crazy in Colossians. And he's like, that is simply untruth. That is simply heretical. Jesus was the fullness. He was the completeness of God. He says this in Colossians 1. For in him, this is a separate verse from the Colossians 2 verse we just read. For in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. God's like, it's my joy to dwell in you, Jesus. Colossians 1, uh, 15 says this, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Hebrews, which is a, a different letter altogether and a different author, but same point. It says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus is the image of God. He's the exact representation of the Lord that created everything. <laughs> and all of the fullness of deity lives and lived within Jesus. And then Paul says this in Colossians 2, and he says, and Jesus lives in you. And so what does that mean for us Christians? It means that all of the fullness of God lives within us. The fullness of the deity of Christ is now within you. And it says, and you have been brought to completion. You have been brought to fullness. You lack nothing. How many of you like HDTV? I remember being in high school and being like, what kind of morons watch people remodel bathrooms? And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I love Joanna Gaines and I wanna do shiplap all over everything. Like, I love HGTV. Like, just rip it down and redo it, and I'm going to try to do a project in my house, right? And there is uh, this show on HGTV, and it's called My Lottery Dream Home, okay? And uh, basically what it is is some, there are people who win the lottery all the time in America, okay? And they win, four, you know, $4 million, anywhere from $4 million to like $50 million. And um, this show is about a man who takes them to buy their very first millionaire house. And they will walk in, and um, you can just see on their faces, like, the amount of kind of, like, disbelief that this is their life. And they'll even say it. They'll be like, I just can't believe this is my reality. Because a lot of them are from the South. And... And they'll be like, I just I just don't even believe it. And they'll walk into these houses, and they'll be like, oh, my, and they're like, just so taken aback by everything, right? And um, and they'll walk into, you know, the, they'll be like, oh, my goodness, this walk-in closet is bigger than my living room, you know? Or they'll be like, oh, my God, it's got a swimming pool. Oh, no, that's my bathtub. Like, and you're just like, what? Like, it's amazing, right? Right. And, and there is nothing outside the realm of possibility for these people. I mean, nothing. I mean, you want a horse stable, bam, you get a horse stable. You want like, you want like two master um, bedrooms, you know, cause you can sleep in one and then not make the bed and then walk over here and sleep in the other. Like you can do that. You're a millionaire. Like, um, if you want a moat, this is true. I saw it one show and they, and you want a moat around your property, you can have a moat around your property. Like, like, there is nothing that you can't have. This is the reality for millionaires. And these people are like, I can't believe this is my reality. I just can't believe it. Just recently, a man in South Carolina, this is true, he won the lottery twice in one day. So, so if you find winning the lottery to be unbelievable, like, I just don't even understand this man's luck. And, 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 but this is yet his reality. Now, what if I were to come over to, like, Joe, right? And, um... <laughs> And I'm like, Joe, you won the lottery. And he's like, oh, my gosh. Um," But then he's like, I don't know. Is this a joke? And I'm like, no, dude, you won. Like, you, you did. You won it all, dude, the whole shebang. And you're like, I don't know, man. I mean, this sounds too good to be true. Like, there's no free lunches in this world. You know what I mean? You got you to gotta earn a, a living. You got to work for what's yours. And so I just don't know if I believe you. And I'm like, no, it's really true. You know, but then eventually I get tired and I leave. And, and let's say Joe never goes and he never cashes in on his lottery ticket. I mean, we would all say, my goodness, like, that's a tragedy. Because <laughs> I'm friends with Joe. But let's just say he never cashes in on his um, winnings and all of us are like, oh my gosh, how can you not believe this? How can you not just go and try to cash in on on what's yours? And yet, I believe this is how millions of Christians approach, approach the reality of their identity in Christ and the fullness therein. Like, it is so unbelievably good that we just cannot even compute it. It is so unbelievably outrageous that we think, how could this be mine for free? Like, like, like there's no free lunches. There's no grace that's this good. There's no, there's, there's no way that I'm not even, I, I haven't even done very many things right in my life for, for me to receive the fullness of Christ. But the fullness is there. We just don't reckon it is ours. And the treasure is available, church, but it seems too good for us to access. This is true for us. And like ne- Joe never going to pick up his lotto winnings, so many of us, so many of us, church, we do not cash in our, our inheritance in Jesus. We don't, we don't believe it. And Can you imagine not going after this money, and yet this is how we are not going after our inheritance in Christ? It's the same. The fullness of God dwells within you. It's true whether you believe it tonight or not. In Christ, we are secure. In Christ, we are secure. How secure do you feel tonight? How secure? I mean, because I think for myself, I think for so many Christians in this room, so many Christians listening across the world, that this is not our reality, that we are completely secure in Christ, and yet we don't feel this way. That we are worried about what other people think of us, that we feel insecure about our abilities, that we feel not good enough or unsure the majority of our days. And in Colossians, Paul is writing to us and he says this. He says, for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And this this teaching was so powerful that Dallas Willard, he's one of the foremost theologians of our time. His mentees, he would say, you have to memorize Colossians 3, 1 through 17, particularly about you being hidden and your life being hidden in Christ. I want you to memorize it. He says, your life is now hidden in Christ. Your life is now hidden in Christ, and that word life is the Greek word zoe, which is not just existence, it's not just breathing. Church, it is like abundance and fullness of life, not just natural life in your body, but spiritual life in your inner man, and he says you have the fullness of life. Christ, And so I wanted us to understand what he's saying when he says that we are hidden in Christ, and so I brought up um, this, (laughs) so forgive me. Um, But every single one of you, according to scripture, it says that the fullness of God dwelt in Christ, that the fullness of everything that God was dwells within Christ. And then it says this, it says Christ, excuse me, Christ is in you. Forgive me. Christ is in you. It says this in Galatians 1.15, in Galatians 2.20, in Galatians uh, 4.19, in Ephesians 3.17, in Colossians 1.27. All of the fullness of God dwells within Christ, and Christ dwells within you. And so you might have walked in here tonight, and you might say, well, my goodness, I don't feel powerful. But here's the reality is that according to Scripture, the holy word of God, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. It lives in you. He is in you. So what's right, your feelings or Jesus? I'll give you a hint. It's Jesus. (laughs) You might have walked in tonight and you might have said, my goodness, I have not had victory in my life over sin in the longest time. And what you need to understand is that Romans says that in Christ you are more than a conqueror. He is in you, and therefore this is in you. This is who you are. You might say, well, my goodness, I don't feel like I'm capable. I don't feel like I'm enough. But according to Philippians, because you are in Christ, you can do all things through him. This is who you are. And it doesn't stop there, church. I mean, this would be cool enough. This would be awesome enough. If Jesus was in us and he is in us, I mean, this would be good enough news. But in John 15, Jesus is preaching to his disciples and he says, look at this, church, look at this. Eventually, I am the vine and you are the branches and I will abide in you. This is what he says. I will abide in you and you will remain... Check this out. In me. And just so you don't mistake, there are actually separate verses that talk about you being in Christ. It says this in, you are in Christ in 2 Corinthians 5. There's way more than this, by the way. Ephesians 2.10, Romans 8.1, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God says, I live in you, and I also live. Seal you in me. And Ephesians says this. It says, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed. Everybody say sealed. Sealed. With the promise of the Holy Spirit. Not only do you have the power and the proficiency of Christ living in you, but you have the security and the safety of being in Christ. He's in you and you are in him. He's in you and you are in him. It's both and. It's incredible and it's blowing my mind even as I'm preaching on it, okay? And so, so you can come at your life and you can be like, man, I have had so many circumstances that have been difficult. And my life has just been trying right now. But you know what doesn't change? Your security in Christ. And you can say, man, like life has just been just beating me up. But it's actually you're in Christ, People can be disapproving. They better know who they're being disapproving of. You are in Christ. You're not just good, church. I'm not just good. We are better than good. This is the good, good, good news. We are better than good. We are full. We are complete. We lack nothing. And you might come to me and you might say, well, now, Jess, I don't know about this. I mean, I am a fractured human being. I am a broken human being. I am prone to sin. And, and I understand that. You might feel that reality within yourself. Um, but what is more true about you is your identity in Christ. What is less true about you is your identity in your flesh. And as you reckon what is true about your identity in Christ, your spirit will align your flesh accordingly. And so we need to begin to believe who we are. This is how we get sanctified. It is not by you trying to be Christ-like. It is by God manifesting his son through you. It is not by you working and being like, oh my gosh, let me just work real hard to be like Jesus. Like he's like, I will manifest. Do you think you can do, apart from him, you can do what? Nothing. He must be the one to manifest in you and through you. Your job is surrender and believe. That's it. And you might say, well, Jess, I don't know. I'm so broken. I'm just a broken human being. I'm just flawed. I have so many issues. And if that's you and you walked in here tonight, I understand. I have, I have walked so many days with a dark mindset. But you know what that we are believing in this moment is we are believing a fractured and a half gospel where god saves you like let's say um he saves you but he doesn't fully live in you let's say you're out in the ocean and you're swimming right and you're drowning suddenly in your fallenness and god comes out and he saves you okay from your fallenness and he resuscitates you on the beach and then you get up and you're like awesome now i'm gonna go and live my christian life and you like start swimming again and he's like it's okay This is how so many of us operate. That is a half gospel. That is a partial gospel. That is a fractured gospel. God did not just come to save you from your sins. He came to indwell in you because he knew that you weren't enough without him. And so this is what God does. He he like pulls you on shore and he resuscitates you. And then he says, okay, now I'm going to live in you, and I'm going to empower you, and you will again brave the waves, and there will be no wave too much for you, because there is no wave too much for me. This is our reality and our identity in Christ. Dallas Willard, one of his mentees, after having memorized this verse about being hidden in Christ, he said, I was saved when I was 18. I went to a Christian school. I went to a Dallas Theological Seminary. I spent my entire life having intellectual knowledge of God. I had information but no revelation. And this changed his life. It changed his life. And he realized that he had the life of Christ within him, and he was secure. The last thing is, in Christ, we manifest Christ to the world. To be a Christian means that we seek revelation about our identity in and through Christ. And for us, a whole bunch of us in the room, I think that we are in deep need of this revelation about who we are and how powerful we are about who we are and how powerful we are. And, band, you guys can come back out. The majority of us, there is a sickness within the American church, maybe within the church at large, I don't know. But there is a sickness, and it's simply this. It's that we do not know, and we have been blinded to the completeness and the goodness of the gospel. You you might say, well, that's kind of judgmental, Jess. And uh, to you, I say this, then why are so many Christians in bondage to sin? Why are Christians overwhelmed by insecurities? Why are we not having victory in our minds and in our hearts? Satan cannot steal our soul. He cannot steal my soul anymore. So, do you know what he wants? He wants to cloud my vision of the completeness that is now mine in Christ. He wants me to disbelieve it. He wants me to not cash in on my lottery ticket. And so, do you want to take off? You want to anger Satan tonight? Like, you want to go back into his camp and be like, I'm sorry, this is mine. This is what you need to do tonight. You need to pray this simple prayer. Pray this simple prayer. God, will you pray with me? God, show me and give me revelation of my fullness. My power and my security in Christ. It is rightfully mine because of his all sufficient death and his resurrection. Amen. This is mine now. This is yours now. He died and it was sufficient. Paul says, Are you going to crucify him again? Can you crucify him again? Is there a more sufficient propitiation, not just for your sins, but to indwell in you and be your life? There is no other hope besides Jesus, and he is the all-sufficient hope because he not only redeemed you, but he now lives in you. This revelation, if we could get it, that we are complete in Christ, that we are powerful in Christ, that we are whole in Christ, that we are loved by Christ. If we were to know this, we would manifest him everywhere we went. We could not help it. We could not help it. In Colossians, Paul writes this. He says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I am the expression of the life of Christ because his life lives within me. And so I think for a whole bunch of you, I mean, I can, I can hear it. I can, like, hear it in your breathing. I think you might think this is theologically incorrect. And I just want to very kindly and very gently say to you, that I will like lay my integrity on the line tonight and say, investigate it yourself. This is truth. This is the gospel. And any other gospel is halfway done. Any other gospel is God saving you, but not indwelling you. And he wants you to understand the fullness of what he has done in you and through you. Paul understood The end game, the end goal, to be found in Christ and to manifest Christ. To be found in him and to manifest him to the world. He says, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works within me, to be found in Christ and to manifest him. This is our end goal. And I believe tonight he wants to give revelation to us. And so if everybody could stand... You might be thinking in here that maybe the goal of the Christian life is to be more Christ-like. But it's not. It's for God to manifest his son through you. If we would surrender and we would believe. You might think tonight that a Christian's chief end is to sin less and less and less as life goes on. But it's not. It's a worthy objective, but it's not. His chief goal is that he glorifies his son in you. This is the work of God within you. This is the work of God around you. This is what he does. And so when Paul is fulfilling the great commission, I love this because this is what we do. This is what I believe we are about is that we wanna manifest Christ wherever we go and we wanna bring more people home. We wanna make heaven more crowded. As Paul goes, you know what he says? He says, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ gives me. It's not even our energy. This is the kind of God we serve. This is the joy of the gospel, the fullness of the gospel. We lack nothing in and through him. And so would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, I just pray over every single person in this room that God, tonight, that you would give us revelation about who you are and how good you are and how full the gospel is. And I have just one question for anybody in here tonight. If you don't know Jesus, he wants to not just save you, but he wants to indwell you. He wants to not just um, save you from your sins and reconcile you back to the Father, but he wants to indwell within you. And the life that seems impossible for you, it is possible with God and in Christ. And so if you are in here and you feel like you have just been drowning and you would like to be saved by a God that reached down through his son to save you. Would you just raise your hand just nice and high tonight. Nice and high. Amen. 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 I see you. Now pray for you. God, thank you so much for the individuals that raise their hands. God, I pray that they would in this moment pray their own specific prayer to you of accepting your salvation and your life, God. All have fallen short of the glory of God, God, but by belief and by faith in your son, Jesus, we are saved. And so I thank you for salvation tonight. I pray that for the Christians in the room, you would give us revelation of our identity in you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.